I I uh, I sat there and did that whole thing, uh, trying to set everything up, and then immediately my first impulse was to reach out and touch the microphone. It's not. This doesn't bode well. <laughs> hey, bonk 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 bonk. <laughs> well, I guess I should move that. No, I shouldn't. I yeah. shouldn't touch the thing. No, 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 no. no. The I challenges of of pandemic podcasting. <laughs> there we go. The pandemic podcast. Yeah. No, I uh, I had a lovely ride yesterday excellent uh i got out for probably closer to four hours than not total oh i think um easy pretty easy pedal i opened it up a few times on um uh a few of the hills which i did some stuff in your neck of the woods i did uh some stuff around juanita ish area um i did a couple climbs there i did a couple climbs just sort of in the bellevue redmond area so nothing more than you know a few minutes I mean, four minutes, four or five minutes, maybe tops up some of those hills. Um, had had fun, you know, just kind of open opened the floodgates up a few times to see how I feel. Um, and I would say that my lungs finally feel cleared out from the smoke. Maybe. Excellent. Or at least yeah. I've recovered fitness from that original long dip in fitness that I've been kind of slumped into the last few months. Uh, I feel okay. I feel good. I don't feel it fast. Could, I feel good. Yeah, excellent. It so could also be that the moisture has finally returned to the air that we're breathing. Yeah, which I like. I, I like yeah. damp, slightly damp air. It definitely feels better on my yeah. lungs, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, cool. Yeah. Did you get out? Did you mostly hang at home? What did you guys get up to? I was, we were mostly here hanging out at home, getting stuff, projects done. Um, it's interesting that we are actually talking about nutrition today because yesterday for me was all about food. Yeah. The, and it actually all ties in the catering at the job that I was working on the day before was limited portions. I could have eaten three of the lunches and still been mostly hungry. Because now we're in pandemic and all of the food ends up prepackaged or pre, you know, pre-portioned and here's your food, click, it's in your hand. Okay, great. Um, so yesterday was all about food. So the extra pizza that I had, the pho that was, uh, that my wife had bought, it was, yeah, just keep, open the floodgates and let the food fall in. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get things rolling. I guess I feel like we're we're feeling pretty loose. Yeah, um, sounds good. Do you, uh, do you want to do intro, or do you want me to do intro today? What what are you feeling? Why don't you go and do intro today? Since I jumped in last week, okay, from the woods. Let's let's go nuts. All right, uh, I'm gonna do a little pause, and we'll get started. Welcome to Fast Casual, your not-too-serious cycling podcast. Uh, today, I'll be hosting. This is Kirk, and uh, with me uh, is John LaFollette. Uh, we are still minus a George Russian, but uh, he'll be back sooner sooner uh, than later, maybe a couple more weeks uh, before his epic adventures end and he returns home to the Pacific Northwest. John and I thought we would talk about nutrition today. Uh, big, big, big topic. We could get really into the weeds very quickly with this one. So we're going to try and keep, not not too crazy, we're going to try and keep things a little bit light, uh, mostly talk about ourselves. Feel the need to say right, right off, we, neither of us uh, holds a degree in nutrition. 
neither of us is any sort of doctor or nutritionist, etc. So um, any advice we give is is from our personal experiences. That's not to say that we haven't studied, researched, experimented, um, but uh, yeah, uh, take that for what it is. We are not nutrition experts. Um, you know, we talked but we about- we do eat. We do eat, which is <laughs> a good place to start, I think, for anybody. Uh, we talked last week about motivation. And I think I said right off the bat that motivation is something that is exceedingly difficult for me at times. Uh, it's it's one of my struggle areas from time to time. And I would say right up there with that is nutrition. Uh, something I've struggled with really my whole athletic career, really probably even before that. Um, and I think it's because... Well, I think there's lots of reasons people struggle with nutrition. Number one, it just encompasses so many different things, uh, including our social lives, uh, including, you know, getting misinformation from government, from people, from experts. I did air quotes there sometimes. Uh, experts. Uh, and uh, it's sometimes difficult uh, to figure out what's what, to figure out what is applicable to you or to another individual. And uh, so I think what we're going to do is today we're going to talk about our experiences with nutrition, uh, some strategies maybe that we employ, uh, and we'll try to keep it light on the advice and keep it more on the uh, <laughs> what 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 we enjoy and what we found works uh, for this. So I will say this, John. Let's let's be really ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand foot view here. Uh, what is your approach today? these days with nutrition? How do you, what's your, do you have some sort of philosophy that you try to stick to? Uh, what, are, what are sort of your guiding, general guiding principles for how you go about nourishing your body day in and day out? So that going back to a 50,000 uh, foot elevation requires a little background. We chatted briefly last week about the fact that I work in the film industry and in the film industry, we have uh, a six hour block between the beginning of our day and when we go for a lunch break. As a result of that, we end up having catered food available at a snack table throughout the day and then a caterer who supplies our lunch most of the time. 25 years ago, I got food poisoning while working on a film set. Something did not agree with my body and up until that time, I was a garbage gut. I could eat absolutely anything. As a result of that food poisoning, I ended up becoming allergic to all protein sources except chicken and fish. And about 10 years ago, I lost chicken as a protein source. When that happened, my then fiance, soon to be my wife, my amazing wife, um, started studying um, Ayurveda. And the idea of the ancient Indian art of Ayurveda is the food that you eat should be construed as medicine. You are feeding the body and feeding the gut microbiome through the combinations of foods that suit your constitution and, if done properly, also run in accordance with the seasons because the foods that are available in each season have nutrients for your body in that time. So that's kind of been the overriding philosophy that I've been looking at is eat right for your constitution, eat right for the season, and in my case, eat a lot. Um, 
Ayurveda actually says something to the effect of one-third substance, one-third liquid, and one-third air, so you never fill yourself up. Hmm. But I tend to just eat more than I probably should. But then again, I have a resting metabolism that burns somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 to 2,800 calories just laying there. If so I'm you've, in bed, you've had that... How do you come to that number, out of curiosity? I came to that number through the... Um, uh, metabolic resting, assessment. Resting well, metabolic the metabolic assessment? Not the resting. I actually did the active, and okay. as a result of that active, they gave me the, the, the basal metabolic assessment so that I know that, okay, great, 22 to 28, and if I'm active, it's even more. Sure. So it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, so you're... We this isn't video, so people can't tell, but you're, you're a pretty lean dude. You, you, yeah. you definitely don't carry a lot of excess body mass. Um, no. So, uh, and I, I've spent enough time with you to say that I can verify that John is almost always eating. Um, <laughs> yep. Rarely, rarely on a ride, rarely on a hangout. Is he not, you know, thinking about the next meal or, or, or eating it as we talk, <laughs> including on some of these podcasts, you've had to, you've had to nourish yourself while, I, while casting yep. from time to time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, you touch on so many things there. A, um, you know, I think you hit on the fact that, uh, kind of early on that everybody's going to have, uh, different struggles, uh, when yeah. it comes to what food agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that's one of those things where, um, if you're looking to embark on a, a, a new nutrition, uh, regimen or something like that, like you're trying to change your diet or you're trying to change your, the way your body, uh, behaves or looks or whatever, um, you got to start with what you got, which is what your body can and can and will and won't do. And mm-hmm. so if there are foods that don't agree with you, obviously including those in your diet is going to be <laughs> pretty basic basic mistake there. Um, I, I, you know, I, there are lots of things that don't agree with me. Um, you know, I'm lactose intolerant, have been since I was real young. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not severe. Uh, I can get away with certain things from time to time. I won't, uh, disgust our poor listeners with, uh, saying what that does to my body. Uh, but specifically, uh, it's, it's something that I have to monitor if I, if I consume, uh, a certain volume of dairy, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I also have, uh, especially as I've gotten older, I have a bit of, a an acidic stomach. Uh, and I mean, that's just, I, I, that's what I chalk it up to, I should say. Um, and so I get, I can get reflux pretty easily, uh, depending on what types of foods I consume, um, particularly spicy foods, things with a lot of car, uh, carbonation, um, even citrus, just stuff like that. Anything that's really high in the acidic. So like tomatoes, especially like tomato sauce or something, mm, is something mm-hmm. I have a hard time with. Um, a lot of my family has similar issues. So it's, it's pretty okay. genetic. I would argue, uh, sisters, aunts, my dad had, had a lot of issues with that. And, um, so it's something that it's been both really reassuring to figure out that like, okay, these things just don't work for me and I should avoid them. And also oddly impossible. Like, I I don't know why, but like, I'm so attracted to foods that are bad for me. Like pizza looks amazing. And it's really just, it it literally makes me sick when I eat it. Uh, I love spicy, like Thai food. I love spicy Mexican food. I love spicy food and all of it makes me sick, frankly. Um, So learning about those limitations that each person's going to have, 
and abiding by them. Just just recognizing yeah. that feeling bad is really not worth it um, most of the time. And uh, so, yeah, I, th- I don't think any discussion about nutrition can sort of begin without acknowledging that like each of us is unique. Each of us is going to have different challenges. Um, each of our bodies are going to react differently to different nutrients, different volumes of calories. Um, and so there's not going to be a one size fits all, just eat this and everything's going to be fine. And also like the reasons why we, not the reasons, all of us eat for the same reason to not die. Um, <laughs> but then we, but then there's all these other reasons to eat the, you know, social reasons to eat, you know, whether we're celebrating with friends there's habits that we've built up. We have these comfort foods that when we're feeling emotionally depleted, we want to get our hands on some of some food from our past. It's going to make us happy. You know, it's going to raise our spirits. It's going to nourish our soul as much as our body. Um, and trying to separate these things and figure out how to go about eating, I'm, I'm doing air quotes again, properly, properly. Uh, is, yep. is, is just, it's a minefield. And, and I, I totally understand why so many people struggle with it. I struggle with it. I totally understand why there are so many uh, businesses and and uh, people trying to make money off of this, basically because uh, it's confusing. And if somebody's giving you easy answers, um, I'm, I'm always wary. I'm always wary of anybody trying to give easy answers. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the easiest answer that I tend to abide to is while shopping, I will eat around the outside of the store. Yeah. That's the easiest, that, yeah. that's the most effective, easy answer that I've ever heard about nutrition. Well, so I've... Eat whole foods. I, I think that hits on something that I think we both, uh, we haven't talked about this uh, before, but I think that, that we both probably would agree with this. Um, so I've researched lots of different diets, um, and when I say lots of different diets, named diets. So whether we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, the DASH diet, Mediterranean diet... Uh, flexitarian, you know, there's all these different, there's all these specific names for different diets that certain people are on. Um, and I'm generally a personally, again, I'm against that. I, I don't think you should label yourself too much. And, uh, I think that it's better to be a little bit flexible with mm-hmm. what you eat and with what you call yourself. Um, partially because, uh, I think we all, like I said, we're all unique. So we need to be open to making augmentations to those diets when they don't exactly fit our needs. Uh, and then you can feel like, well, I'm not on this diet because I do, I eat one thing that's not on that diet. I'm like, well, I mean, if you're, you're close enough. But one thing that I noticed in researching this over many years is that all the sort of top healthy diets, you know, the ones that you see on like the Mayo Clinic list of top 10 best diets every year, whatever, they all have the same two or three basic tenants and then a bunch of other random stuff that that is a little different from you know a little meta but um the main things are simple vegetables fruits eat them <laughs> that's it eat lots of them yeah. <laughs> not, not, not that not that that's all you should eat but i mean you can if you're yeah. a vegan or a vegetarian uh maybe that's going to make up the most part of your diet but really all the diets have that generally in common whole grains whole foods um so you know i would say anybody that's looking to improve their diet one of the easiest things you can do, you don't need to start a very specific named diet. You don't need to, you know, measure all your calories out or, or do any of these things right off the bat. The first thing you could do would be to add fruits and vegetables to your diet and pick ones you like, pick ones you enjoy preparing, pick ones you, you know, are in season, pick ones that are easily accessible to you and just add them to whatever else you're eating. Uh, that alone is going to fill you up more. It's going to add more uh, nourishment, more nutrients to your food. 
Uh, and it's boring advice, but it's it's great advice. Just eat more vegetables, eat more fruits. Start with that. Um, However, I, that doesn't mean getting the raspberry Pop-Tarts <laughs> is adding fruit to your diet. <laughs> Not fruit substance. <laughs> no, no. Fruit, fruit-like flavors don't count. Real, eat the whole fruit. It's got to look like it does coming off the plant. It's probably yeah. the best. Yeah. If yep. if you can't recognize it, if you're not sure what it is, you need to you need to readdress that or um, pronounce it on the label. That's another one yeah. of those. Hey, you know. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's boring advice, but it's a great place to start. And I do believe, just as I do with a lot of things, that additive is the, the better approach as opposed to subtractive. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're trying to change the way you eat, don't walk around your house and throw away everything you love and tell yourself, well, I can't do, you know, all the things that people start with, they're like no sugar, no alcohol, no uh, meat, perhaps no dairy, no butter. I don't know. Just like, they just, they go on this rampage and they're like, I need to cut things out of my life. I don't agree with that philosophy. I've tried it a few times. I don't generally think it it can work in the short term, but what you end up with is a restrictive uh, mindset and and a, a sort of like an on-off switch to your dieting. So like you you stop thinking about it as my overall what I eat as my diet, and you start thinking of it as you're on a program. And then when you flunk that program because you eat a cookie or you have a beer with your friends or whatever, then you're off that diet, and then you you kind of crash. Um, you know, and also just making extreme changes I think is is not the right option in general. It just doesn't stick usually. Um, you know, I I hate you know you go on the the old YouTube's. And, you know, you can see all these diets that the stars are on, that athletes are on and things like that. I'm like, that's all well and good. But the fact of the matter is, is you're not those people. You, you don't have the same time constraints. You don't have the same uh, maybe assistance, you know, so nutritionist and trainers and stuff like that at your disposal. Um, you need to think, I think one should go at it much more holistically, small changes over a long period of time, nursing yourself toward a healthy, balanced, sustainable diet. And for me, that means, you know, start by adding, start by adding vegetables and fruits, um, find foods that agree with you, that give you the nutrients you need and that you enjoy eating and making and just fill yourself up on those things. And, you know, if there's, if there's a homemade bread you like, if there's a particular dish that you really enjoy making and it, and it brings you a lot of joy and it's also good for you. Awesome. If there's little tweaks you can make to those recipes, um, something I really struggle with or have struggled with in the past is sodium. Uh, mm. you know, all of us as Americans, I don't want to say everybody, but like a lot of people just eat ridiculous amounts of sodium in this country. Um, it just, it's in the foods we eat out. It's in the packaged foods. It's hard to avoid sometimes. Um, and so that's something I've, as I've, as I've gotten older and, you know, as you start to worry about, high blood pressure and things like that, even as a fairly healthy person, these are things that can creep up on you. And sodium's, you know, one of those things that you got to find ways to eat foods that don't have it. <laughs> one of the yeah. easiest ways is to cook your own food uh, and, and don't get it out of a box is, is a good place to start. And that, you know, that excludes a lot of other things that are probably not good for you too, which is, which is helpful. But John, yeah. is there, is there a food that you love that doesn't love you, that you incorporate in your diet in small amounts or large amounts? Is there a food that I love that does not love me back the same way? Yeah. I actually hadn't thought about that question um, because I absolutely avoid the meats that give me the worst. Sure, that sure, give sure, me sure. The worst. Um, 
And as far as, you know, breads and carbs, I've got gotten to the point now where I'm actually baking my own bread and awesome. doing it sourdough so that we're getting um, fermented foods, which the whole idea in Ayurveda is feed the microbiome, and that's all about, it, it grows in fermented foods. Yeah, if I eat too much sauerkraut, then, you know, it, it, does, it does the thing that Don't sauerkraut explain. does. Don't explain. I'm not. We're I'm good. Not, Stop not there. Not going there. Yeah. <laughs> I have the same um, problem. But, but, you know, to do, to, to make some pickles, to, you know, it's great to add those, those little touches. So no, there's, there really isn't anything other than, other than my, uh, my tendency is to go for sweets. That's I was my... good. I was trying not to call you out. I was like, I feel like you were eating a donut on our last podcast. I was eating a donut on our last <laughs> podcast. And part of the reason that I, okay, so that, that's an interesting segue because one of the things that I think happens and we need to pay attention to is the attitude with which we eat the food, in my opinion, has an effect upon how the food is metabolized. If you're expressing joy while you're eating your darn donut, dude, go for it. Yeah. Well, because I think... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat donuts every meal of, yeah. of, every, of every day. Well, that dips into uh, there's other diets that incorporate this um, sort of mental well-being along with that physical well-being, mm -hmm. which is the, you know, different diets that encourage you to I, I'm not going to list them all, but there's a bunch that kind of get into this where they encourage you to be mindful of when you're eating. Yeah. And I can tell you uh, the power went out at our house uh, like last week or something during a windstorm. Right. We had a windstorm. Yeah. And uh, we ended up grilling our meal outside. Just because we kind of got halfway inside, and then the power went out, and I just walked everything outside, fired up the grill, and finished everything up. Brilliant. And, you know, we had candlelight, and we had silence, and, mm -hmm. you know, there's no, no, no music in the background, no, uh, occasionally our family is guilty of, uh, you know, having a TV show up on a computer or something like that. You know, it, we're pretty casual around here. It's just three of us, and, and we kind of do right. whatever for meals a lot of times. Um it was lovely. The food tasted better. The experience, you know, you felt really full afterwards in a way that's, um, and I find that particularly in mornings, um, if I sit quietly, eat my food, drink my coffee, I feel much fuller and happier the rest of the day versus when I try to consume news and, you know, radio program or whatever else it is, you know, goofing around doing eight multitasking, doing eight different things while I kind of mow down my breakfast it's a very different experience. Um, so I, and I amazing how how much you can actually eat when you're not paying attention. Oh my, yeah, I, yeah. You forget you ate. It's a weird deal, and you don't yeah. pay attention to the signs that you're full because they're sometimes they're a little slow to react. It's it's a crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I I definitely uh, am a believer in mindful eating, in paying attention mm -hmm. to what you're putting into your body. I mean, again, if for nothing else, it's it's a much more joyous experience when you kind of quiet things down and just taste yeah. your food. Yeah, um, exactly. And if that adds to the uh, digestive and, uh, you know, sort of nourishing properties of that food as well, like aces, yeah. uh, no problems there. Yeah, I, so to the question I asked you earlier, I'm just going to tell you right now, um, my diet from a young person to now uh, has always been, I would say, bad. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe not terrible, uh, but there are foods I love that don't love me. I love French fries. I love beer. I love, uh, like you said, pizza. I, I love, I love crappy food, uh, mm -hmm. frankly. 
Uh, yeah. I can be honest about that. I don't eat fast food and I, I've sort of adjusted my, you know, the pizzas I eat now are, you know, homemade or, or from a, a, a nice place. So, you know, it's, it's not quite the same. I, I make my own baked French fries at the house a lot now where right. I you know, slice up fries, toss them in some olive oil and salt and things like that. So it's, I would say the, you know, the quality of these splurges has uh, improved a bit. Um, over time and, yeah yep. but it's tough because you're you're and taste... you're using the spiced salt on your yam right, fries right, right, versus right. just the the morton's no yeah trying to yeah. trying to make improvements mm-hmm. um but it's one of those things where you know what i ate as a kid and what i sort of felt uh helped me uh feel better you know the foods that my parents made for me and, and things like that are things that i still crave from time to time when i'm feeling down um there was also this, it's still around these days, and it, it's always struck me as crazy, that um, as cyclists, um, there's this idea that you cycle so you can eat crap. You know, mm. it's like, oh, if you go on a ride, then you can eat a burger and uh, two beers and all this stuff because you went for this like couple hour bike ride. And somehow those balance each other out. And I, I just, I have so many friends and, and, and people that I've known over the years that talk about how the main reason they cycle is so they can eat whatever they want. And I, I've just never seen that work long-term yeah. no. uh, for myself or for other people. Um, you know, my weight, for example, has been all over the map. Uh, I'm, I'm about 5'10". Right. Uh, I, as a young person, when I first got into cycling, I was very light. Um, uh, I mean, part of that was just being, you know, still sort of juvenile in some sense, but, uh, I, uh, you know, even at like 21 or 22, I only weighed like 135 pounds, maybe. Uh, I don't, I don't have a lot of records from that time period, but I was, I was extremely, extremely here, light in that time period. I lost you um, completely. Then I, uh, you know, I put on some muscle later in my cycling career and got up to a whopping 145 pounds. Uh, yeah, real big then. Uh, but then, you know, when I kind of like quit and that was, this was at a time period where I was taking my nutrition seriously. I, you know, I, I, there were chunks of that where I weighed my food and was very conscientious about exactly how many calories I ate and fueling for different, um, you know, fueling for performance, not just for enjoyment. Um, you know, these days, uh, you know, my weight can be anywhere between, 150 and maybe as high as 160 at times. It depends on sort of where my head's at. And mm-hmm. um, lately, I've been trying to lift weights, <laughs> and that's helped some. I, I I've got a slightly bigger upper body than I ever have in in previous uh, in, incarnations. In my life. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, something I've always avoided lifting weights upper body as a cyclist. That's usually something you a lot of people avoid either for aesthetic reasons or for, for perceived performance advantages. But um, as we've been cooped up a bit more in the last while, and I've been kind of trying to like change my focus as far as, you know, not being so worried about watts per kilo and being more concerned about uh, bike handling and maybe just general, you know, life happiness, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been lifting weights a little bit more. And so I've put on a little bit of weight there, but um you know, depending on my focus, I've changed my weight quite a bit. I think the heaviest I've ever been is like maybe 180. I got kind of sick mm. one time and, and gained a bunch of weight, and, and that was really crazy. And, and to, the journey of losing How much that of that weight, was water weight? Oh, I don't know. I, I got. Okay. I don't want to go into it too much, but I got I got really sick about 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, I had some medical problems, and uh, sort of in the aftermath of that, I was already a little heavy going into that. I had, I had been focusing on things that were not bike-related, 
and I hadn't really, wasn't really training and was, was definitely drinking and eating more than I should. Um, and so I'd already kind of gotten a bit heavier than I normally had been. And then I, I got sick and was basically not quite bedridden, but definitely was like unable to exercise, uh, effectively, uh, for nine or 10 months. And, uh, yeah, I gained a bunch of weight and I looked very different, I would argue. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I kind of leaned down from that. And then, uh, a number of years ago, I decided to get kind of like, bike fighting fit again, just to see if I could still do it. Uh, and I, you know, I think maybe three or four years ago, maybe around the time that you met me, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, I think I was down to like 140 again, something like that, like pretty crazy light mm-hmm. on and off at yeah. one point. Um, and again, it's, it, it's a journey. I mean, everybody can change their bodies to their, if that's something they enjoy trying to do. And I, I enjoy right. taking on these little mini challenges to try to change my physique from time to time. Um, I would say when I'm not focused on it is when I'm happiest, uh, when I just try to eat good food and feel good and sleep well and not have an upset stomach, that's probably when I'm happiest. And I I think that's... And go out and ride, ride with good friends and, and take it, take it lightly. Keep, keep the exercise up, keep the nutrition relatively good. Don't beat myself up if I, you know, have an off day and eat a bunch of junk. Um, and, uh... Yeah, that's kind of my my happy place, and and in that in that sense, I probably stay around one fifty one fifty five ish, depending. Not that that's like a perfect weight or that anyone should. Mine's a pretty boring journey in comparison, though. So, yeah. from from high school on, I have I have been anywhere between one fifty eight and one sixty five, and have basically stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I too am about am about five ten, and. Mm-hmm. It's been an interesting journey through the club, having the ability to look at a in-body assessment and sure. verify where my body fat content was. Um, and they've got some brilliant device that runs electricity through your body in a low capacity and, and tells you where the deposition of, of your fat content is. And I tend to carry it right around my middle, around my organs, you know, the you visceral and, you area. And most, you and most male humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of, um, that's generally the spot. Generally the spot. But it was an interesting experiment um, this last January to actually take all sugar out of my diet mm. for that month and watch what ended up happening. Um, so all refined sugars, anything on a, on a label that said sugar, I still had a little bit of honey. I still ate fresh fruit, but to watch, you know, the body fat itself just disappear, melt away yeah. as a result of, of that one. That's, Which, that's cool. I, well, I remember when you did that and I was both inspired and terrified because I was thinking giving up sugar. Oh my goodness. Like it's that paranoia. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, but, God. Um, Am I going to have to I, do I this forever? I will say something I've done uh, in, so my history with measuring my body fat and my weight and, and for that matter, measuring my nutritional intake goes back mm-hmm. pretty far. Um, but like we've talked about, I got fairly serious into cycling in my kind of really early 20s. Um, yep. And as a part of that process, um, you know, I had caliper body fat tests done. I had various other, you know, I, I was dunked in a tank at one point, I think. Um, hydrostatic weighing yeah and 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 also the uh you know just the scales and different different ways of measuring that and all those have their kind of pluses and minuses i mean i think the truth is is all those are relatively inaccurate they can give you a an idea they're within a few percent plus or minus and they measure off from each other quite a bit 
Um, I even think just those scales at home that you use where you can just stand on them and they give you a lower body, uh, you know, low level electric current are, are okay. I mean, they, they do the right. job and it's not as important to look at the number and know, you know, I'm, it, I'm, this is the body percent that I want to be at or whatever. It's more yeah. like, it's, it's a guide. It's not an absolute measurement. No, no, no. It's a guide. And if you stay consistent guide. in accessing your guide, yeah. then I think. It can just sort of we'll... help you. Yeah. acknowledge if things have changed sense. significantly i i have to be cautious um so sorry i want to back up a second i something you talked about there was when you were eliminating sugar and how it kind of opened your eyes to a lot of different things um something i have recommended to folks in the past and i would still recommend to people is if you're just you have no idea where you're at okay let's say you've just been eating you know you don't think much about your food and you're finally starting to want to approach it from a maybe a lightly scientific or, or just a more pragmatic approach, um, get yourself an estimate of your uh, metabolic uh, rate, you know, and mm-hmm. you can do that. There's ca- online calculators. You can go see a personal trainer. There's, you can go see your doctor. There's different things you can do to, to get an unnum- a number and work with a calorie counter app of some kind for a little while. Uh, if you don't want to do that, then at least write down what you eat in a diary for a while. Because one of the things that I think sometimes, I mean, I would argue shocks people is they don't have any concept of how much food they eat or don't eat or whatever, or what they're eating. Um, because you kind of, you have a meal, you move on, it just, it disappears into the past. It never happened. And, um, I don't think it's a good idea. I have struggled with it in the past, getting a little obsessive with calorie counting. Um, and it, it can it can take over your life. It can be a problem, and it can make you a very unpleasant person to hang out with. Uh, or to go wife, to dinner with. Yeah. My wife will tell you, like, when I've been on a tear trying to get down to a particular um, weight or body percent, uh, you know, whatever, um, I become real unfun. Both from, you know, your horm- your hormones change your attitude toward food changes and, and you just get unpleasant at some point. So it's, it's good to remember that these things should be treaded upon lightly, but um, I I think it's an okay idea to play with it a little bit and then to, and then to stop doing it because sometimes there's just, uh, there's no realization about like how much sodium am I eating? How much fat am I eating? How many calories am I eating day in and day out and what foods and to start to measure the the feeling of food with the actual measurement of it so like i ate this thing it didn't make me very happy and it had a lot of calories in it maybe i don't need to eat that thing in the future on the other hand i ate this other thing it's relatively low in calories i really enjoyed it maybe i need to put more of that in my diet and so just like connecting the emotional and sort of the more mechanical aspects of the way food works um, and just acknowledging that by writing and, you know, that it's a forcing function of when you actually have to like either type it into your phone app or write it down in a diary. Um, it just helps you become more aware and more accountable of what it is that you're putting into your body. And I think that those types of experiments can be useful as long as there's a limit on them and you're not trying to, yeah. you know, there, I'm sure there are people out there that can measure and write down everything they eat every day of their life and, you know, good for them. But I can't, I can't do that. I can't. No, it's It's uh, too much. I've got other things to pay attention to. Same thing with weighing yourself. I mean, it can get obsessive and and, and a number is just a number, you know? And so you want to balance getting on a scale once in a while with you looking at yourself in the mirror and assessing, am I happy with the way that I look? Are there small things I want to change? Being realistic about, can I change those things or, you know, what would be required? Um, And also just balancing them with how you feel. How do you feel when you wake up? Do you wake up with a headache? Do you wake up um, 
you know, do you feel hungry or do you feel bloated or do you feel, you know, acknowledging the value of how your body feels uh, and applying that to your, your nutrition regimen, um, I think is important. So just kind of mm -hmm. connecting all those different dots and not just obsessing about measurement, but also not being afraid to uh, take the insights that measurement can provide or can help provide and then, and then making more um, you know, just informed decisions about what it is you're doing uh, day in and day out to your body. Because I mean, like, honestly, like when people are trying to make big changes in their physique or in their performance, like diet is, it's just a big part. And it, it's hard to, it's difficult to exercise your, your way around a bad diet. It's difficult to improve for long periods of time uh, if you're not going to address that. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't, I'm not speaking from a position of, of doing it perfect. I, I don't, I don't do it perfect. I try to pay attention to it. I try to make reasonable changes when they're necessary. Um, I definitely fail more than I succeed. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's an area where I just acknowledge that, that I've struggled. Um, right. and, uh, I like to believe I'm in a better place these days, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect or, or am a, a model of success for anyone to try to follow necessarily. Well, which actually brings me to to an interesting place. You're talking about performance and not always doing it right, and the I want to segue into your experience of on bike nutrition versus general nutrition, yeah. And the experience that we had this summer while we were doing that that uh, that multi thriller loop that we ended up doing, and you guys succeeded in doing the full hundred and six hundred and eight miles of way too much climbing and all of yeah. that goodness. Um, I had a bad nutrition day. I did not have it in me to continue, which brings me to, brings to my mind, what is it that you do? What is your go-to for on-bike performance and on-bike nutrition? Do you, have a, do you have a technique that you tend to use, that you tend to stay with as far as... Uh, how you how you feed yourself depending upon the ride? Uh, in short, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on bike nutrition is complex. Uh, on bike nutrition is something that I think takes can take years to perfect. Um, you know, it goes back to the uh, biodiversity. Uh, every rider is a little different. That being said, there are some basic principles that are difficult to difficult to ignore. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I've been the recipient of horrible nutrition advice uh, on the bike. Uh, go so again, you know, I got into cycling in the late '90s, and I would say what I know now about nutrition as far as on bike is vastly different than things that I was being told at the time. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to make a lot of these mistakes in real time, in real life, in real events. Um, so I can not only say that like the science is pretty evolved on this since, since that time period, um, but that, you know, uh, the personal experience is there for a lot of riders too. They've made, you know, it, it, it reminds me of a story my dad told me. My dad was a, a collegiate runner, a, a really good miler amongst other things. Okay. Um, and he used to talk about how before events, this is in the seventies that they thought they needed to eat a steak the night before, like a big one, 
like that was protein loading or something. I don't even know what the heck he was talking about. He's like, they used to eat like a giant steak the night before. Hey, give big. me that 16 ounce T-bone. I'm, I, I got to race they, tomorrow. That's the, you needed that in your body somehow. And, and then this sort of like generic concept of carbo loading, which I think is for the record real, but not, not really in the way that it was being done in the past. Um, and, and all these different kind of fads and thoughts about nutrition and how you needed to eat on. And, you know, I remember, let me, let me tell you some random pieces of advice I got over the years. When I first got into cycling, uh, it was recommended to me that in the winter, you don't eat on these rides. So four or five, six hour rides only fueled on water. And somehow that made you a better cyclist because your body got accustomed to quote unquote burning fat. Um, I can tell you that I dragged my sorry butt home completely empty on so many occasions thinking that I was somehow adapting to being without food and thus somehow without that would make me a more efficient, make, better cyclist. Mm. Um, again, the, the types of foods that we would, that we would eat were insane. Um, I, today, I believe in a number of things. Number one, I think that unless you're a, like an elite pro athlete, that you're on the bike nutrition and your general day-to-day -day nutrition should be more in line with each other than not. Meaning I don't okay. think you should do things that are potentially harmful to your overall health just to go a little bit faster on the bike. Okay. Um, you know, cause again, our careers don't depend on being 10% quicker <laughs> or whatever no. it is. Uh, so, you know, if there are things that are damaging to, let's say your teeth, your, uh, you know, run the, run the risk of making you ill in some fashion. I don't, I don't think you should really push the limits with your on the bike nutrition. Uh, and, um, man, did I get really off base on this question or what? Maybe. So I guess my takeaway is, is this, there's some pretty clear, relatively clear science on how to stay fueled on the bike. And that is, I'm going to give you the really boring synopsis of what it is. Eat carbs eat them before your ride, eat them during your ride, and then in a small window afterwards, eat them after the ride, possibly mixed with a little protein. Um, eating protein and fats before and during exercise is generally, frankly, kind of pointless. Uh, they don't digest. Um, and they don't metabolize into usable fuel during the time exactly. that you're actually out you, you, on the ride. They're not helpful. I mean, you should eat them in real life, but, mm -hmm. but as far as timing around an event or, or a, you know, I think you should fuel for your ride. And what yeah. fuels the type of exercise that cyclists do is carbohydrates. Yeah. And if they're not readily available, then your workout is going to suffer or is likely to suffer. Um, there, you know, there's, there, people point to certain elite athletes do, you know, fasted training and things like that. And not to get way into the weeds here, but like that's useful if that's something, you know, if you're trying to lose that last couple of pounds, you know, you're already at like, I don't know, let's say 8% body fat and you're trying to get slightly leaner, that can be helpful. If it's possible that you could be, uh, doing a hard effort where nutrition's not available due to some sort of technical reason, you know, you're, you're a bike racer and you're in the Tour de France and your, your domestique can't bring you your water bottle in time and you need to not totally fall apart in those 10 minutes or whatever, then yeah, there's, there's reasons to be quote unquote fat adapted or whatever. Um, but realistically, um, fueling your body with carbohydrates before, during, and slightly after a ride is important. And you should look to at least match the amount of food that you're, the amount of calories that you're going to burn, if not a little more. 
Um, in other words, don't diet on the bike. You, you right. should you should fuel your performance, and then you should adjust your diet accordingly in the days after, before, whatever. If you're trying to lose weight, for example, uh, so that's not to say eat whatever the heck you want. Um, you want to eat things that are easily digestible. Um, for mo for a lot of people, that means rice, oats, um, simple ingredients. Um, mm -hmm. There's some science out there that shows if you add a little uh, fructose, you know, uh, to your to your carb mix that you can you can get a little more out of that than maybe uh, you can without it. Uh, a little sodium sometimes helps with hydration and things like that, depending on the circumstances. Um, mm -hmm. But basically, eating and drinking enough to feel powerful, to feel fast. Right. Um, and and there's like there's a lot of cal. I won't get into the weeds too much about exactly how many calories that is for each individual or whatever. But there are there are certainly information out there that you can you can figure that part out. But I would say. If I had one takeaway, it's that you can't just wake up, go for a big ride, and eat after, and hope that's all going to work out. You're very likely going to run into problems with that, um, and and it's worth getting up a couple hours early before your ride, eating some good foods, healthy, nutritious foods, and then bringing you know fill in your pockets. Don't try to get by with limited resources. Um, no. Yeah. And I tend to. Uh, I agree, and I tend not to do those with, you know, the Butterfinger bars or the paydays or any of those. I've actually spent some time creating and crafting some of my own. So I've taken, you know, for me, the, the macadamia cashew coconut blend that I, I blend up and put into a, into a usable tube with, it, with a touch of salt. And yeah, that gets into a little more protein, a little more fat, but it actually works in my body. Sure. So I'll create those in advance. I will take, you know, a couple dozen peanut M&Ms or something of that nature along with me. But I've also found myself using dried fruit during a, during a ride. Just that touch of carb and, and fructose in there works for my body on some of the longer things that I do. You also never touched on, but I think it's important that we should we should bring up is keeping the fueling consistent. So you don't want to run out and then throw food into your body yeah. where your stomach can react to it adversely because all of a sudden it's getting this onslaught. Well, for anyone that's ever bonked, they'll understand what you mean. So a bonk is basically you run out of energy and it's, it's mm -hmm. the worst. Man, it is a, up there with nausea. It's just the worst. You yeah. just feel, for lack of a better word, empty, and your thoughts are all revolve around food, and you just can't perform. And it takes a lot to kind of get out of that that pit. And you mm -hmm. can eat a bunch all at once, and it doesn't, unless you're eating like pure glucose or whatever. Like it's hard to get that that spike of energy back. Um, so you got to be eating early, early and often is important if you're, you know, if you're training or doing an event or something like that. Um, early and often, I think is is a good strategy. Um, I think you know this is one of those things where like trying to balance life nutrition with sort of sport nutrition. I've really moved away personally from, or I've tried to move away from processed stuff. So basically, like you know, not to knock any particular brand or whatever, but you know, I I try not to eat as many like Cliff gels or bars or whatever. I try to I try to carry bananas and <laughs> make my own drink mix and do these things like that. Um, yeah. You know, again with the idea of focusing on knowing what you're putting into your body. Uh, it's also cheaper. I mean, you can make a you can make a drink mix out of you know lemons, limes, honey, and 
few other little ingredients uh, pretty pretty quickly and easily. Um, and it's, you know, obviously significantly cheaper than buying some sort of uh, pre-processed packet, whatever. And also, you know, literally what goes into it because you put it there. Um, so yeah, I try to fuel my rides mostly on healthy whole foods when that's mm -hmm. available. Um, you know, I, again, I don't, when I was a, a more competitive cyclist, you kind of had to rely on gels and blocks and stuff like that. Um, partially just because ease of use, partially because that's what was, you know, available to you at the time. And, and there was a perception that that was easier, but even in those situations, um, you know, uh, on racing teams, a lot of times if you're blessed with having a nutritionist or a swanier that's willing, they'll, they'll make you these rice cakes and different items that are more, more akin to what I would eat now. Mm -hmm. Um, and because again, it, for nutritional reasons, for just flavor and just ease of use reasons, like it gets, you know, eating little packets of frosting, which is essentially what a gel pack is all the time. It's just not, it's not pleasant and it's probably it's not, not good pleasant. for you. It's probably not good for your teeth. It's probably not good for lots of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think trying to find a holistic way, if that means anything to, to fuel yourself that still mostly is in keeping with your overall dietary thoughts, you know, not, not, mm -hmm. so, you know, like, Oh, I'm writing today, but I'm going to eat 12 Kit Kats when you wouldn't normally do that. No. Um, and, and at the same time, like leaving a little space, like you were saying for, you know, I am going out for a ride, so I'm going to eat those. M&M's. Uh, I'm going for a big ride. I'm going to have a few uh, Pringles. Oh, Pringles, baby. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> or or uh, Corinne ended up making some amazing ginger snaps that you yep. brought out on this week's ride, which yep. was amazing. Yep, she does make... I do I do like to fuel on ginger snaps. Well, I do, I do think it's interesting. You touched on something a while back that we kind of like left behind. But, uh, you know, we, we, we've probably referenced this, this epic ride we went on way too many times at this point, but we did that 106-ish mile sort of challenge, dirt, mm -hmm. mountain bikey type ride, whatever, uh, yep. this summer. And uh, I took all of this wealth of knowledge that I supposedly have about how to fuel for rides and challenges and things like that and ignored most of it. Um, I did not eat well. I did not eat enough, nor did I drink enough uh specifically um on this ride and uh man lap five of six i was so wretchedly bonked and uncomfortable and just like and i knew i'd done it i mean i i i should have planned better going into it but i was sort of on this like eh it doesn't matter i can i can get through i can gut it out kind of a thought process i'll just eat whatever i feel like uh and i didn't really like plan it out and measure nope. the calories and think about the 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 amount of uh, liquid that I was going to need to consume, uh, and man, I paid a long price. And uh, luckily, on the last lap, I was able to down a a Coca Cola and uh, and sort of like right the ship a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I will say this: not planning for nutrition on long rides and not really thinking it out and having that you know honest talk with yourself or somebody else to figure out what's going to be necessary it makes for a really unpleasant day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about a few times before either getting ill from the food that we've eaten on some of these rides or, or just feeling empty. And there's, there's just, there's very little that's worse than that when it comes to cycling. Like it's, it sucks to fe be there, feel like you're prepared in every other way and then have your nutrition plan kind of let you down. So, uh, uh, whatever it takes to experiment, to work with somebody, to, to come up with a robust plan, 
for how to feed yourself and take it as seriously as some people take their, you know, bike maintenance as their training as everything else. Cause I think it's a huge component that, that regularly gets left behind. Uh, and I say this as somebody that regularly screws that up. Right. Um, well, and I, I, I think it's really important with that to also fail. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, it teaches you. So, so that day, that, that epic day that your lap five was not so good, I completely failed and only completed two laps out of the six that, that we all ended up doing. But I ended up learning that I didn't get enough liquid. I didn't eat two, you know, the two hours earlier. There were these things that I did not do that I thought I hadn't in, I thought I had them all lined up because I'd done these other long rides that summer. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, and it's important, it's important to fail because if you can learn from it, well, you've, you've learned next time. for sure. Oh, yeah. And, and, and yeah. also like we all continue to learn and it's okay to make mistakes. I mean, every, we, yeah. we know that in everything, it's always okay to make mistakes. I was just always, it was one of those things that like, you know, I acknowledge that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, but when people would come to me for advice on how to prepare for these big events, um, it's one of the first things I would bring up because they would want to talk about, well, how many hours do I need to ride? What bike do I need to be on? What tire pressure do I need to run? What kind of chain loop? And I'm like, not that these things aren't important, but I'm like, what's your nutrition plan for helping optimize your, your body composition? What's your nutrition plan for fueling your efforts? And what's your nutrition plan for day of? Mm -hmm. And man, sometimes you get this look back, like you're speaking French and they just like, what do you, what do you mean? Like I'll eat whatever's right. there. I'll just eat a pizza the night before and I'll, I'll cram down whatever gels and whatever drink mix they have available. And then I'm gonna eat some bacon and I'll drink some beers and it'll be great. And I'm like, you're going to have the worst day of your life. <laughs> like it can be, you know, especially on these, like, like if you're going to go do a criterium, short, short, punchy race, cycle cross race, whatever. Uh, not that nutrition does not matter, but it doesn't kick you in the butt in the same way as if you're going to take on like, DK or some, some huge 200 plus mile gravel ride, extended endurance, uh, uh, ride, you know, the people who tend to have their nutrition dialed are triathletes because man, an Ironman distance is no joke. And nope. if you've got your nutrition plan all mucked up, you're going to pay such a price and, and you'll do that once and, and you'll suffer through it and you'll make changes. Um, but yeah, trying to get cyclists who have mostly done shorter, less um de not less demanding but less endurance slash nutrition demanding type rides uh when they first go into that sort of ultra distance range they're usually in for a rude awakening unless they've really thought out the the mechanisms for how they're going to take care of their bodies well, and um, i think and for us to just kind of touch on it and say hey pay attention because it's yeah. going to be different it's going to be really different it, it um, is. It is different. And what your what your body will, you know, just like what we were talking about with your overall nutrition, what is your body going to handle? Is your body going to process this food and actually turn it into usable energy? Or is it just going to sit there and make you sick? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's like I said, nutrition is just such a broad topic. It's hard to really just start giving these like, okay, well, if you only eat these six foods, you're going to be happy the rest of your life. Uh, and, and we wouldn't want it to be that, frankly, that would make life I think it's totally reasonable to acknowledge that life would be very boring if all we ever ate was, you know, steamed broccoli and uh, boiled chicken or whatever it is, you know, that, that you yeah. eat to get quote unquote ripped or whatever. Um, I, I think your diet should be something that sustains your life energy. I think it should be something that sustains your uh, your joy. 
Uh, and you want it to be something that's relatively compatible with your friends and family. Uh, you know, we all, most of us live uh, in households with other people. A lot of us do. Um, so you can't be on some crazy exclusionary diet and expect those relationships to, to be as easy as they would be if you could find a way yeah. to all make meals together. Um, not to say that we can't always, you know, do, do what's right for us at times, but, um, yeah, getting, finding a path towards sustainability and, and just a, a balance when it comes to your diet, I think should be a good starting place for a goal. Yeah. Uh, getting, getting your, your feelings, your thoughts and your actual nutrition kind of all lined up so that they loosely are in balance with one another, I think is a good goal for anybody. Um, I'm still working on it. I, I get close. I, I feel like I get closer every year, but maybe not. Maybe maybe in another 50, 70 years, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> I look forward to solving all these all these puzzles. Exactly. Well, and and knowing knowing that the seasons of the body, as well as the seasons of the year, change. They do. That we're gonna have we're gonna have different different nutritional needs when we're 16 than when we're 50. Well, being adaptable to change, I think, is yeah. is a great place to leave this, which is, you know, y your needs, your wants, your ability to tolerate things is going to change. And and being flexible and being prepared for that instability, I think, is, uh, is a good thing in lots of realms of your life. It's good to be flexible. So yeah. I think we'll maybe we'll leave it there for today. John, is there any last... Uh, in, in last minute comments you got our, our sort of sprint finish here before we close things out. What do you got um, going on? Other than loving what fall is bringing us in this kind of introspective space of the job that I got to work on this week took me up to a beautiful high mountain lake and I happened to get there before much of the other crew had and to watch the sun come up through the mist. You know, get outside, get out there and do it. And, uh, you know, keep finding the joy where you can. That's kind of my, my sprint finish on this one. That's perfect. Yeah, I, we've talked about it before, but I, I love the fall. Uh, yeah. And I went on a, a good-sized ride yesterday. Uh, and, you know, it was just a little cool, a little misty at times. Uh, so beautiful. And the leaves are changing. The winds are cool. And uh, felt very privileged uh, to be able to go out and experience that and, uh, very introspective, very joyous, uh, uh, loved every second of it and look forward to getting more of that in the next few months. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, but before we leave, I wanted to let you know that when we come back and revisit nutrition, Oh boy. Cause you know that we're, we're going to be able to, there's no way um, we can't. It's such a, no, like no. I said, it's, we, we tried to babble so about it forever and it's, there's so much. But, but here's, here's what we, we can offer is that when we can rejoin in person and have additional folks with us, my lovely bride has offered to make some treats and bring them out and start to, you know, do some taste tests and oh, maybe man. some recipes and yeah. Oh, so. we should, uh, I would love to, uh, to have a taste testing fiasco or a fiesta. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome, bud. Uh, In the well, future. You have uh, a wonderful rest of your day, and I will be uh, talking to you again soon. Uh, thanks for joining us here at Fast Casual, and we will catch you uh, next week. Cheers. Cheers.